Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSB Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast. We are joined today by a very good friend of mine, Ruthie Bowles. We met not too long ago through networking, and we've been able to support each other on different platforms. And it is really exciting to be able to bring Ruthie on today. Give a little background about Ruthie. Ruthie is not only the owner of Defy the Status Quo, it's also a podcast that she runs. It's a content marketing strategy firm that she's doing. She's helping professionals and small to mid-sized businesses with their branding, their content marketing strategy and approach to really telling their story. So we wanted to invite Ruthie to the show to really talk about how we position ourselves to really tell the right story. So without further ado, I want to say welcome to the program, Ruthie. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It really is an honor. We're so happy to have you here, Ruthie. And I want to thank you for your military service. My twin brother also is a military vet. We grew up in the military family. So thank you for your time of service for you and your husband. And we really do appreciate that. Um, for those of you that are listening here for the first time, before I let Ruthie go into her story, two things I want to share with you. Yes, you may not know it, but she has done everything from serving our military, translating, starting a business, running a farm. Yes, a farm. Okay. Naturally growing her own food with her family. She's competed in bodybuilding competitions. And what else can I say about Ruthie? She's just a fantastic all-around person. Oh, one other thing. This is the Twins Talking Up program. And her husband, his name happens to be Danny, just like my twin brother's name is Danny. And his name, uh, the name of his brother is David. Man, we were aligned to meet and start working together. <laughs> I absolutely agree. It was just serendipity at its finest, I'd have to say. That's awesome. This is Danny. I want to say uh, this is phenomenal. The, the fact that your background, what you've done, what you continue to do. I, I can't wait for the rest of the audience to learn a little bit more about you and your business. Uh, and as well, thank you for your service. My, um, I, I, I would have to say I was very fortunate. We had been deployed during the first Gulf War. So I'll tell you a little bit how old I am. And during the first Gulf War, we've had three different um, deployments. And of all of those three deployments, uh, there was a total of about eight of us that didn't didn't have to deploy. And I was one of those. I was able to go to school full time. I was fortunate enough to complete my degree, work at Walter Reed Medical Center, go to Howard University at the same time. But for those that have that did deploy, mm-hmm. uh, anytime, like you said, you you went to Afghanistan, you met your husband there. So there are some benefits to deploying. It doesn't always have to be about uh, war or about keeping peace. Uh, you were able to go and find love, uh, which is which is awesome. Um, so as we get before, uh, David said earlier, you started a business. And I'd like to tell the audience a little bit more about Defy the Status Quo, which is such a great way to title everything. When you talk about communication skills, how to do better marketing. 
So for this quick next segment, just tell the audience a little bit more about Defy the Status Quo. So Defy the Status Quo was born out of this, it was kind of two things. So I had just started out as a freelance writer. I was writing freelance and I was doing that full time. And I was just kind of going by my name as my brand as a lot of uh, especially service entrepreneurs start out with. And a lot of my clients were just desperate for solid content marketing strategy. And they were like, Ruthie, do you do this? And I'm like, well, I mean, and of course in my head, I'm like, well, no, not exactly. I had consulted a little bit. Like when they asked me questions, I had things to offer them. And they're like, can we, can we do this in a more official capacity? Have you really take this over? And I just, I remember thinking, yeah, like this is, this was kind of where I noticed the crossover between my military experience as a, an intelligence analyst and as a translator coming into my business because a lot of the uh, analytical approaches, right? Decision-making approaches and, and competitive analysis, those types of things that we do in marketing, uh, fantastic approaches. I learned as a intelligence analyst. So that was kind of how that started. But then the other thing is I was already really starting to chafe at the lack of authenticity and genuineness present in most companies marketing. And I realized that in addition to that inauthenticity, um, there was also just kind of this sense of mediocrity. You know, it was check the box. A lot of companies, oh, we published a blog post this week, but how good was it? Oh, we published this video on social media, but how good was it? That was always the question. So the status quo was mediocrity. It was check the box content. And so that was where the idea of defy the status quo came from. It was to go beyond that. And so my clients immediately see that name or my future clients, they see that name and that should be something that resonates with them. They want to go beyond the status quo in everything that they do. And, and if they're doing it in their work, then their marketing should be a reflection of that. And so it's an indication that we're a really good fit. Um, and the reason why that is so important is because we, from, from a content standpoint, especially, we pretty much offer the gamut of what a client would need. And we tend to meet our clients where they are, but you know, it typically starts with branding. And so that's where my build a supernova brand came from, but it starts with branding, flows into the actual development of the marketing strategy and then flows into, okay, now if, if this is what's a good fit for the client, a good business decision for them, let's look at implementation and take all the work that we did in the branding and strategy phases and actually implement that and put out something that is so far beyond the status quo of what everybody typically sees that their ideal clients can't help but be attracted to them. That is what's behind that name. This is David, by the way, Ruthie. I love it. And it's really right off the gate, very edgy. And it's very clear to your clients that you're going to bring something more. They're not just going to fit in with all their competitors. You're there to position them to be different, to be noticeable for their clients to be able to get a hold of them as well, pretty simply. That's what branding is. And Dan and I had a recent recording of another professional who really focuses on brand marketing. So you talk about branding, that's where Defy the Status Quo comes in. Just the name of your organization tells a story. And we're talking about storytelling, we're gonna dive into it because it's more than just an art form. And yes, it's the longest, most well-recognized form of communication today, 
we've been doing it for centuries, generation after generation. Families were passing down their stories to their children, at the children. And so we know the value of storytelling. But here's the question. What is storytelling in your world? And why is it important for, under, for organizations to be able to understand that and use it? So storytelling in my world, from a, a defiant standpoint, is all about connection. So we always start with what the purpose of telling that story is. And I don't mean the uh, some of the typical things you might hear, like marketing KPIs. How many click-throughs did we get? Not like we track all of that, of course, because data is data and you take it all in. But you have to look deeper than that. And so storytelling is connection. So what type of connection are you looking to make with this story? Who are you trying to connect with? And then we move, you know, kind of backwards from there, start with the end goal in mind, right? Um, and so that's really the basis of storytelling or what the basis of storytelling should be is that connection and looking, you know, taking that a step further. What does it take to build connection in a digital world? Surprise, it's the same thing it takes to build connection in any other type of world. It's the humanness whether it's a, a big giant brand or it's a, a solopreneur or a small business with a few employees, it's the humanness and, and the way that we express that humanness and build trust through our storytelling is through authenticity, which incorporates vulnerability where people get tripped up. This is Danny and we, we um, and I appreciate you bringing that up because I wanna to touch a little bit more into that. We work with a lot of uh, managed service providers. These are the organizations that provide IT services to small, medium-sized businesses. And, and you look at their website and you're trying to figure out what is their brand. It's a lot of cookie cutter pictures, things you buy on Getty Images. There's no pictures of you or your team, uh, a lot of technical jargon. And at the end of the day, what's the story? And you said something very, very crucial to what I like to tell my uh, people that I consult my clients is, People need to know who you are. And at the end of the day, if, if you're not a referral or it's not a recommendation, there has to be another way where people are tied to emotionally, where they can bridge that gap of trust. And if they don't get the real you at that moment, you're going to lose the opportunity to close the sale. In fact, they, they may just think you're just like everybody else. You don't stand out in the audience. And so you, you, you do that effectively. You, you, like you said, you can focus on the speeds and feeds, how many hits have you had, how many pastures, all that. That's great. Maybe you're driving traffic, which is awesome. You have a great website, maybe driving traffic, but you're not closing anything because people still don't know who you are. Uh, so you talked about what comprises an effective storytelling, the com components a little bit. Um, tell me a little bit more about the audience that you work with when they sit down and hear from the first time from you or your team, exactly what storytelling should look like, how it's comprised. How are they in shock that they haven't done this before? Or how are they in a position where they're like, wow, you do a better job telling people about me than I do about me. I mean, just tell me, what is it, what are they thinking about? What's going through their minds as you're, you're explaining this to them? We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K, 
I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. So one of the things that so there's a couple of things that typically happen once I sit down with a client, once they've, they've opted in, this is kind of this phrase that I'm using. Cause we talk about opting in from a marketing standpoint, people opt in to receive communication. So I was just talking about this on a live stream, but I have my superpower. One of them is my ability to see above and beyond someone in someone else's potential. So as a teenager growing up, that was obviously horrible, right? Because when you can see potential in everybody, you date the worst people. (laughs) But as a business owner, once I I harness that power and put boundaries on it, I realized not everybody is ready to hear Mm. what I see. And so for my clients, I tell them, okay, you've opted in now. So I'm not going to hold back now. You've opted in so I can fall in love with your potential. I'm willing to take that risk and fall in love with your potential. And so hearing that type of thing for the first time, it's like, yes, of course we want your business to be successful, but I see you. I see you. These are, these are, these are, I have some inherent talents in terms of, you know, a high level of empathy and emotional intelligence, but there are other things I learned in terms of how to see people and so that's one thing that they're usually a bit surprised about. They're like, oh, this is okay. I see what's happening here. Maybe I didn't realize that this is what I was getting. But the other thing is that, you know, we start talking and if we haven't talked extensively, because sometimes I have clients who see just a couple of my con- content pieces, podcast or whatever, and, and then they're like ready to go and we sign up. But I've, a lot of times they've seen a lot of my content and they say like, I just already feel like I know you, like I can just tell you anything. And I said, mm-hmm. that's great because you never, as, as you as the person who's lived your own experiences, you don't, you probably don't know the power that exists in your own story. So if you feel like you can tell me anything, which they can, because everything's confidential up until the point they choose to put it out there, um, that you can tell me anything and I will tell you exactly how it could be used, not to leverage or, or from a perspective like that, but to build the bridge of connection. And so every story is an opportunity to lay another brick or, or put up the rails and, and all of that. And so just kind of like that metaphor. But I think that for a lot of my clients, particularly from a business standpoint, looking at the from the business perspective into their own humanness, it's the first time that they've considered that they, you know, it wasn't supposed to be a separation of personal and professional because as a lot of my clients are service-based people, when they show up for their clients, they're showing up as a whole person. And so I think that sometimes they find that concept even a bit surprising. 
Um, so yeah, so that was, that's what I'll say about that. I think that that's probably one of the biggest things, them realizing they get the full exposure of my superpower now and the fact that uh, they can actually bring their whole selves to their marketing and to their business. That, that's a great point, Ruthie. I appreciate that. When we, This is Danny, by the way. When I sit down and talk to people, I always tell them that people are buying you first. They're buying your service, your product second, because they actually have a need, but they're buying you first. And that's very, very important. Uh, one of the individuals I had a chance to meet uh, several years ago in Seattle, and one of the greatest content marketer uh, influencers in the marketing, Neil Patel said something very yeah. interesting. He said, 62% of marketers rated storytelling as an effective content marketing, marketing strategy. And you, you talk about this uh, content marketing, how effective it is, storytelling, people buying who you are when you show up, this is going to be the real you. Uh, get a, give us a little bit more insight on how can this be a secret weapon for you to stand out amongst your competitors by effectively having a great storytelling platform or hiring you who can actually see this person, tell them the truth about themselves and effectively get that out of who they are, what they are out. How can that be a secret weapon or secret sauce, some type of secret ingredient that no one else has that can actually help them stand out? Okay, so... So I think a little bit of it is even reframing what people consider mm. like a secret sauce to be, right? So it's not that your secret sauce captures all of the market or the vast majority of the market. And I mean, depending on the size of your company and what you're offering, I mean, it could, right? Yeah. But that's not necessarily the inherent goal of the secret sauce. The secret sauce is like you have really honed in on who it is that you're talking to and who it is that you're trying to attract because you know that you can serve them absolutely wonderfully. They are the best that you could do. Um, like these are the types of people you can get the best results for, whatever those results are. And then realizing that if you use your stories, you can attract them to you. That means they maybe they get pulled in by an ad right? Maybe if you're running paid traffic, maybe they get pulled in by an ad, but it's your storytelling in the ad. And then in your organic content, the non-paid stuff that nurtures them along. And they love every single bit of content you put out, right? And that is something I've seen in my own marketing and in my clients. Once they start showing up with the stories and the authenticity, people love it so much. The engagement goes up, the direct messages go up, the calls to, you know, discovery calls go up. And the, the thing to remember is that when you decide that storytelling is going to be a part of, of the marketing that you do, you are no longer, it's not that you don't have competition, right? But for the right people, it's, I don't want another consultant. I want Danny. Mm -hmm. I want David. I want Ruthie. I don't like that. You could Google personal branding strategist or, or branding strategist, content marketer. You'll find plenty of people, but the people who resonate with my content, they don't want them. They want me. And so that I think is the key to understanding the secret sauce is that for a certain segment of the market, they will want you. And there is nothing anybody can say to talk them out of it. For example, I get tons of pitches all the time for virtual assistants. And every now and then 
I engage. And they'll ask me, like, how much are you paying your virtual assistant a month or hour or whatever? And I'll say, uh, well, first of all, I don't know you. You're a stranger and I don't have, to, I don't feel comfortable telling you that. But I said, but it doesn't matter uh, because I love my virtual assistant. She is amazing. Her name is Sylvia. I recommend Sylvia to everybody. And Sylvia is amazing. And they're like, well, just, okay, well, I, I'm, they'll say, I'm positive we can come in lower than what she's coming in. I was like, I don't understand how you don't get this. I don't care. I want Sylvia. There is nothing you can say that's going to make me pick you, stranger danger in my DMs, over Sylvia. Like, the end. And so basically, she's got that secret sauce, right? And, and that is what it is. And I recommend her. She gets referrals from me all the time because I'm telling people, like, you don't even want anybody else. I've heard what you need. You want Sylvia, like she does exactly this for me and she can do it for you. Um, and that's what it is. And that as professionals, that is the type of marketing, that is the type of positioning that we should seek to have. I am not for everybody and that's okay. But for certain people, I am the best somebody they could bring into their business. I love that, Ruthie. This is David. And it's so true. I may not be a fit for everybody out there, but I don't have to be. There's enough fish in the sea. But for the ones that do understand my work and the ones that have worked with me, they claim I'm the best thing since whatever, right? And that's really what it is. It's really building that up. And I might need to reach out to you about your virtual assistant. But the point here is you're <laughs> taking that aspect of storytelling. People want to hear an incredible story. Let's look at it from a business standpoint. There was actually a interesting story that I heard not too long ago about a professional journalist and he wanted to really make a point about how stories can add value and so what he did was he bought these really cheap items inexpensive items his name was rob, rob walker and he bought 200 items and he said i'm going to reach out to all my friends all these writers out there journalists out there i'm going to ask them to write a story behind each item and i'm just going to put it up for sale and in that it was surprising that he was able to sell some items for that were worth that he bought for 99 cents one of the items was sold for $64, I think. And some of these items that were bought for like five bucks were sold for like a thousand. I mean, it's like, it was like unbelievable wow. of what a story could do to make something that much more attractive. And he talked about the ability to connect emotion with a story. Yeah. And so you talked about authenticity earlier, Ruthie. We talked mm. about connecting some sense of emotional connection, but what are some other examples or ways organizations can use storytelling in their content brand marketing to bring people to the photo, so to speak. Yeah. So, so my positioning, my movement, if you will, is something called radical authenticity mm. um, because it goes a bit deeper and whether you're doing it just for yourself as a personal brand, or you're doing it for a company, a company in essence, you could almost look at it as a person. The brand of a company, I like to ask my clients, this is a question I like to ask them as we're working on kind of ironing out their brand. If your brand was a person, how would you describe them? Hmm. How would they sound? When they entered a room, what would people think? Right, that's a really awesome exercise because it's really hard to think of an organization of 500 people. Like how, how are you supposed to represent 500 people? But if you say, okay, let's, let's make your brand one person, who is, your brand as a person. And so it's a really effective exercise because what types of stories would that brand tell, mm. right? And so 
for brands, they actually have a, a plethora of, of story sources to include their own employees, their, their client stories, their client success stories. But the, my favorite part about client success stories is that, you know, oftentimes we, the structure we use is, oh, like client came to us. This was their problem. This is how we solved it. That was the result. Okay. That's true. But what was the client's experience like working with you? What did your, you know, account manager think? What did the design specialist on that team think when they were presented with the client's needs and then the client's problems? What was their thought process? And so a lot of times companies don't pull out those quotes for those types of stories, but you actually can, you know, make your own little Marvel movie, if you will, and tell the story from a bunch of different angles, right? And when you do that, it adds the humanness of your company into that client success story, not to like steal the shine or anything, but a company can highlight their employees and add in a serious amount of storytelling and reveal the humanness that may be behind their brand, right? Because if you have a brand, people tend to consider them kind of faceless. And so one company I'll use in as, as an example is a uh, uh, Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, so I used to be a federal contractor too. And they're, they're in the contracting space. If you look at their marketing and how much of their marketing features specific employees, that's really good storytelling. And the feedback I've always gotten from their employees is they feel really valued there. Hmm. Right. And that is something that that company I know works really hard to convey. So they, they are not afraid to shine the spotlight on their own employees. And then, of course, their own clients uh, looking at industry practices that they like to turn on its head. That's always a fantastic one because it's a great way to show how you stand out. But again, it's not just talking about the industry practice. So it, you can weave in a client story there, too. Like, hey, let's talk about industry practice and how we do it differently here. And we're, how we do it differently here, we're going to use this example of how we walk the client through it. Right. And so those are all angles for stories that you can take to show the humanness, to show how you're different, to, again, make it. I don't want, you know, a supply chain consultant. I want Bob. I don't care about anybody else. Bob is the person who speaks to me on an emotional level. And then everything else on your website, once you speak to them on an emotional level, everything else on your website just has to be the logic to support the decision as the conscious mind catches up. This is Danny. I, I love the aspect of how they personalize it with their employees. I really love that. Uh, one of the things that Dave and I tell our clients, you have to realize that your employees are your brand, uh, an extension of your brand. And if you are uh, ashamed or you hire employees that you don't feel comfortable enough to take your story out there or, your, or who you are, your value of your companies, the culture of your company, that's the wrong employee. Yep. Uh, and so I, I always believe that that's the way to go. When you look at a website, when your employee goes out there, whatever it is, everything is a part of your brand, a part of your culture. Everything is telling your story to the masses. And so you remember what happened to the Seattle Mariners. They had a, their CEO and chairman uh, said some very derogatory terms during a, a, a speech. And then immediately afterwards, when he got called out on it, start apologizing profusely and then step down. It doesn't matter how high you are as an individual within an organization, you can damage the brand. Yep. And, and, and it's best to always step away and walk away. 
And I love how you say, look, there's your, your, the website called out the, the, sto- the stories and the employees. They got a chance to personalize it. They felt, they felt honored. They felt like they were involved. They, they felt special. And so storytelling isn't just about telling your story or uh, putting your compelling reason why people should look at you because you're specialized, verticalized in a specific industry, maybe K through five only, you know, within this specific geo, this, you're so fine tuned. People are going to say, you get me. That's really yes. the key. You get me. So the company that you did the storytelling for, they say, Ruthie, you get us. And their customers of that company that you're helping say, you get us. Everybody's excited. Everybody wins. Uh, tell me, uh, outside of that one example you gave, uh, tell me just the expression. Uh, tell us just the expression on your client's face. When they hear for the very first time a potential client that they're reaching out to come by and say, wow. I, am, I, I just fell in love with your idea, your story. Thank you so very much. And in the back of their mind, they say it was, it was because of Ruthie. So actually this happened just, uh, it's been happening with a particular client over the last week as the work that we've been doing has really like taken root, not just in them, but in their marketing and, and as they operate in their business. And uh, so, you know, it's pretty virtual these days. So it's usually in chat, but it's usually accompanied by like, Woo! And then uh, gifts, <laughs> gifts that they send to me. And then, you know, we get on the phone and they're just like, I, I like, they're like, I was there and I almost couldn't believe it how this just came together. I had a client tell me that they got on the phone with somebody and uh, he realized about halfway through the call that they just, he's like, I, I, the way my current offer isn't for them. And he was just talking to them. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to help them. You know, I'm just going to show up be genuine and see what advice I could give these guys. And by the end of the call, they're like, all of that stuff you just told us was great. How can we work with you on it? And in his mm-hmm. mind, he's like, that's not my current offer. And he's like, you know what though? I can help them. And so he, he was authentic about it. Uh, and was just like, Hey, you know what? I can totally hook you guys up in terms of look at like a beta program and bring you in X, Y, Z. And he, he came, that came to his mind over the phone, but because he was showing up authentically and was confident about what he had to offer and his, and his, his confidence in himself, which meant, which was what being reflected back to him from the people he was talking to, he was able to move forward with that. And they're like, yeah, let's sign, let's do it for an idea he came up with on the phone. Nice. Like nice. that's, that's amazing to have that level of confidence that you're like, oh yeah, all right. Where people are like, take my money, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because they believe in you so much, but the first person that had to believe in you was you. Yes. Right? And so, I mean, cause if he had continued that call out of a sense of, from an inauthentic standpoint, uh, getting out of alignment with his story and his brand and himself, trying to still sell this offer that they didn't need, all th- we all know how that call would have went. Yeah. But instead, now he's got this new offer that he loves. He was like, I don't even know where this came from, but it's brilliant. <laughs> and now I get to not just work with these guys on it, but I get to look at how I can expand my impact mm-hmm. with this offer that I immediately fell in love with as soon as it came out of my mouth. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, Ruthie. This is Dave. What, what I wanted to share, which was kind of interesting, We've heard different stories growing up about why parents or families have certain traditions. And there was this one story I heard about a daughter asking her mother, mom, why is it that you always cut the edges of the ham off before you put it in the oven? 
I mean, the glaze, the ingredients, the, the spices you put on there, it is the best ham. I dream about the ham. I can't wait to ever have it. But now I do it at home as well. And I couldn't figure out why this happened. Is there some secret to this? She said, I don't know what it is, hon. So they called her mother and said, mom, why is it that we cut the sides, you cut the sides of the ham before you cook it? That we follow the same ingredients. We follow the same recipe. The ham is to die for. Everybody loves it. And mom said it was because back in the day, I didn't have a pan that was big enough for the ham. So I had to cut the sides off, right? But it's the story that was passed on oh, for generation and generation, generation. <clears throat> and they chalk it up as, it must be the reason why the ham's so good. So let's talk about storytelling in versus what I call story sailing. When is it time for a company or an organization to rebrand or change their story? When I say story sailing, we live in near Annapolis, right? We're the capital, selling capital of the U.S. And story selling is just when you just just get away from where you what you meant to do, your intention. You're just kind of enjoying it, and before you know it, you're so far out there, you've lost your audience. Yeah. But is there ever a time an organization or a professional should change their story or continue going down that path with the script they have? So what I would say is that whether it's on an individual level or a company level, uh, we all grow and we all change, right? So I like to kind of look at it uh, to just to use a technical, more technical term, but like the, the current configuration of yourself or your organization versus the past configuration of yourself, right? Um, for example, uh, when my husband got an Oculus, right? The, uh, the tethered Oculus, he had to get a new computer. The old computer could not run it, right? So he needed new equipment. Um, looking at the story, I think it's always important to, to kind of do an audit, if you will, whether that's a self-audit or you bring in somebody to help you audit it. Um, just to understand, are your brand values, the way that they're written, still your brand values? Is that story the story that you actually want to tell? So mm. when, we're look, when we're working on a smaller level, or on an individual level, um, a lot of times professionals start out with a story that wasn't the story they actually wanted to tell. They thought it was the story that they were supposed to tell. Right. So when that starts on an individual level, as most companies do, and then they build up and they build up, this story has now been perpetuated and the company has been built around it, but it was never actually the true story that that person, the person who was, you know, who birthed the idea in the first place, that was the story they thought they were supposed to tell. And while they're not intentionally being inauthentic, they're not intentionally being, you know, not coming from a genuine place, that is exactly what is still happening. So sometimes we reflect back and we realize that that wasn't the story we were meant to tell. We weren't telling the real story in the first place, not intentionally, but now it's time to shift. Yeah. Now, if a company is going in a completely different direction, maybe certain things are now taking priority because there's... Uh, a significant change in what the leadership has decided they've wanted, mm -hmm. right? Then it may be time, maybe not, not to like completely ball up the brand and throw it away, but it may be time to look at what it is that we're saying and what it is that we're talking about. Because if the company as a, like as a whole, like all the leadership as a collective has decided that sustainability is going to be really important, then those are going to be stories that they want to weave in. And from, from the standpoint of, again, showing up authentically, but also because of uh, something we call conscious consumerism. Hmm. 
So conscious consumerism is basically people putting their money where their hearts are, essentially. And that type of consumerism is on the rise. So I would say it's, it's really like if the story wasn't the original story that was meant to be told in the first place, as often happens, or if the, if the company is bigger, like and the leadership is ready to just go in a different direction, they're ready to shed old expectations old trappings, old stories, things that they feel are holding them back from the future, then a rebrand may be time. And then it, from a, a solo or individual perspective, so let's say the CEO of a big company or a CEO of a small company, a solopreneur, when they realize maybe that they need help extracting their own story. Yeah, they have a brand. All of us have a brand. It's whether you consciously cultivate but maybe they realize they haven't consciously cultivated their brand up to this point. So what they would be doing essentially would be a rebrand because their brand already was cobbled together, you know, accidentally. So now it's time to kind of break things down and put something out and be intentional about it. Yeah, I appreciate that, Ruthie. This is David. And I ask that because we've seen lately in the rise of our, we call it the country becoming more aware of how we've not been treating our fellow American citizens the same. And so we talk about this social awareness and why certain people need to have a shift in their own thinking, the shift in their branding. Dan mentioned the leadership there in Seattle, the Mariners. Recently this week, we had an issue with one of these college basketball coaches at Creighton University using lingo and words he should never have used. And it's causing the university to say, how are we going to be viewed now? And it doesn't matter how good this guy's record was in winning. Do we have to move on from him? Hmm. So let's talk about storytelling. Now we realize the value of storytelling, that it can mean everything to a business and organization. How does storytelling go along with building content strategy? How does it go along with making sure you're aligning everything you're doing from that perspective of the company, that everybody's in harmony, that it is continuing to further that narrative that you're creating in that, in that new story? So content without a story of some kind behind it is like Googling and landing on Wikipedia, right? So when you go to Wikipedia, they're not trying to tell you a story. They are giving you the facts. That's it. They are giving you the facts. So let's, let's say we're talking about content marketing. Now HubSpot does pretty well. I will say, right? We, we're, we, most business owners recognize them as a leader in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, now they run a software as a service company, so they don't offer consulting services, but if I'm sure if they wanted to, they could uh, because of that type of confidence that people have in them. Yeah. What I will say about that though, is if as a content marketer, I had to decide what was going to be different about my content compared to HubSpot's content. Right. And so HubSpot's a bigger company and as a smaller company and, you know, it's I'm the creative director, um, I can flex how I want. And so the difference then becomes, do I want to learn about content marketing from HubSpot or do I want to learn about content marketing from Ruthie? And so those are typically the decisions that people will make when they're deciding, you know, who do I want to filter my knowledge? The knowledge is out there. What, who do I want to filter it for me though? And so when we're, we're looking at Google, you know, there's millions and billions and trillions of pages of data out there. Your story is what may, makes people choose you over someone else. So when people are creating, uh, they're going to post something on LinkedIn. 
how is what you're posting on LinkedIn different than what I could have found on a Google search? And even if it's something I already know, your story will keep me reading. Your story will get me to comment and talk. If it's just, if it's just it, you're just like, hey, these are, um, this is how you make a blog post rank high for readability. And you just put that and you move on. Like, I mean, I guess I'll like it. But if you tell me a story about how you learned or you help clients with readability of their blog posts and you got so good at it because you had a client who needed you to edit and optimize 150 blog posts, now I'm going to comment because I'm empathizing with your story. You've also managed to slide in that you did a lot of this work, kind of demonstrating some expertise there, but it was the story that really got me emotionally involved. The first version of it, that's boring. I could have found that and I already knew it. So I think that that's kind of the, the, the real crux of it is what makes you different from, from Wikipedia and it's gonna be your story. We'll be right back after this short break. We wanna thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live Love Thanks. Live Love Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. Thank you for checking out the DSB Leadership Speaking Podcast. If you are enjoying the program and are learning something along with us, please consider becoming a supporting member through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash twins talk it up. Also, consider leaving a five-star rating on Apple and comment on our other platforms, including YouTube. If you'd like to learn more and get more information, we would like you to become a guest on our future episode. Send us a message via our website at www.dsbleadershipgroup.com. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. I love that, Ruthie. This is Dave again. I got I to gotta jump in and continue this dialogue here about this. When we think about how companies tell their story, we talk about content marketing strategy. Oftentimes, from that world, we look at blogging. We look at content on the organization's website. So even though one part of that approach might be through the company in the form of blogging, is it right for organizations to create content that goes outside of that that realm of blogging? Because it seems like that's the number one, well, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to be the main method for how they convey their stories uh, through their website and through blogging. Is Is that something that you've seen? Uh, I would say a lot of companies do still rely on that. Uh, but I mean, we're definitely seeing the trend switch over to video because essentially okay. content is anything that you consume. Mm. So if you consume podcasts, videos, blog yeah. posts, uh, social media content, all of it falls under the realm of uh, under that umbrella of content marketing. And so it certainly is the way that they express themselves, but 
uh, I think probably one of a company's probably biggest weakness, perhaps in terms of content marketing is their failure to repurpose that content into smaller bite-sized chunks. And then not even necessarily smaller, but different formats, because you have plenty of people like me who are not going to watch a video but they will read a blog post about the same thing. Now, for me, it's a matter of saving time. So if I don't know you, I'm not going to sit there and watch your 20 minute video because I don't know ahead of time if you're going to be a waste of time. But your blog post on the same topic, I can scan that very quickly and make up my mind as to whether or not it's worthwhile. So I've, I've come across sites where they're like, oh yeah, let's get into video. And then they only put a little bit of a summary of the video as the description. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not gonna watch this and I wish you would have put a blog post here. So the, the thing is, is when you repurpose and put into different formats, you can reach more of your audience. Um, and it gives you also multiple taps on an audience, multiple ways to kind of express that story. But absolutely, uh, blogging is still one of the top ways, but I mean, video, if it hasn't already passed it, is, is very much catching up. It's just, especially as people realize that video doesn't always have to be a high cost production 100% of the time. This is Danny. I, I want to continue on that with the, what you just talked about because we you said blogging, video, these are all great social media platforms, outlets. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind that I tell my clients all the time is when you fine tune what your offer is, when you fine tune what your why is, when you fine tune all that, then you know where your client lives that's where you focus your social media. That's what I tell them. Well, Danny, is that Facebook? Is that Instagram? Like, did you not just hear what I just told you, right? Um, so I want to get your thoughts because there's this new great social media platform that Dave and I just joined. We're, we're going to start building content on there. You're already on there. You have a lot of followers. Give us your thoughts. Everybody wants to know. Give us your thoughts on the, the great uh, new social media platform called Clubhouse. All right. All right. <clears throat> So the thing about Clubhouse is this does not mean that you can throw away all of your other content marketing efforts because Clubhouse is ephemeral. And when I say ephemeral content, think Instagram stories, Facebook stories, it disappears. But unlike stories that disappear after 24 hours, if in Clubhouse, if you weren't there to hear it, you ain't hearing it unless it was a recorded room, which people have to get explicit permission for. Like they have to put in the title, this room is recorded. Every time they reset the room, they got to remind people it's mm. recorded. But uh, most rooms are not recorded. So if you didn't hear it, you ain't hearing it. The end. So there's a sense of uh, urgency there applied for when people run rooms. Absolutely. But what I will say for Clubhouse, uh, especially as it relates to content marketing and, and that storytelling aspect, in the six weeks that I've been on Clubhouse, it'll be six weeks on Sunday, I've gotten just over 600 followers. I've had calls. I've got some excellent prospects in my pipeline in terms of actually having clients, a ton of collaboration opportunities, people inviting me to speak before. They're much larger than mine audiences. And all of that came from being willing to put myself out there and do what a lot of people are afraid to do, which is raise their hand, get on the stage and speak their peace. And so a lot of people are scared of that. And so when you live in the space of what other people won't do, that is where you have the most potential for success. Now, in terms of content marketing, 
I have gone live uh, every single day this week as of the day we're recording. I went, I usually just go live on Mondays. I do a marketing Monday live stream. Um, but I was in clubhouse and somebody threw out this challenge. Like everybody should go live more. What about if you went live every day? And I was like, all right, I'll go live once a day for this week. And it's going to be short, right? So that's what I did 10 minutes after Monday. It was 10 minute live stream every day. Um, and every single idea in those live streams came from something that I said in clubhouse that I saw visibly resonated with people. I don't think people understand the value of me thinking it, saying it, and then getting immediate validation for my message. Because when you go into a clubhouse room, I favor the smaller rooms because the audiences tend to be a bit more niche and intimate. Uh, those people have already indicated to me that they're interested in this topic, which means their response to my ideas is very high quality validation. It's almost like a focus group, right? Oh. And so I can then take that, put it into my content, create longer form, more permanent pieces of content around that with that validation. And it is fire. People have loved my live streams this week love them because they're just like, wow, that idea was amazing. And I was like, that's awesome because I knew it was going to be amazing because I accidentally tested out this content concept in a clubhouse room and the connections I've made. I, I clubhouse honestly is the best networking I think I've ever done hands down. Like, ever. All right, Dave, you know, what we got to do now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so yeah, well, so I just want to give you a quick example. Please, please, go ahead, please. Okay, so last night I was in a room. It was called Visionary and Conscious Leaders or Visionary and Conscious Leadership. And then the topic was ethical marketing. I did not know a single person in that room. I just found it on the clubhouse calendar, clicked on it, jumped in. There was about 10 or 15 people in the room at any given time. I, rose my, I raised my hand to speak on stage and... All of the people, we all ended up following each other. We're all going to be co-moderating rooms together and building that relationship. But what I had to say resonated with them so much. We were talking about some, I said, looking out for companies and performative marketing. Somebody asked me, well, Ruthie, since you're kind of like really specific about this, how do you assess if a company is performative or not? And I said, I'm so glad you asked, <laughs> right? And I kind of dusted off some of my, uh, I'll say, exploratory intelligence skills. And I listed off a few ways that they could really dig in and, and test a company and assess if it's performative or not. And by the time I was done, uh, nobody said anything for like three seconds. And so I unmuted again and I said, Are, is my signal bad? Are you guys there? Can you hear me? And they're like, oh yeah, we can hear you, but we're just writing stuff down. Like that was amazing. And so that's something I'm like, oh, okay. I need to create more content around that because I clearly dropped the grenade and everybody was just silent. Right. Um, but I didn't know any of those people. And now we're all direct messaging each other and building the relationship. And when you are impact driven and you're looking at relationship building, right? If you're not just counting leads and all this other stuff, again, metrics that you do track but your intention is to build relationships and be of value and see what reciprocity you can bring. Uh, that is what makes Clubhouse so great, I think, for impact people like us, because that's how we approach people. And when we do it on what's been so far traditional media, social media channels, it's harder. It takes longer to build up and we're invested. We know it's going to take longer and we do it anyway. But Clubhouse allows you to quickly decide if you want to connect with someone. Right. 
and it can take weeks on other platforms. I'm glad you actually bring that up, Ruthie. And now we're convinced, Dan and I are convinced, we're going to have to open up a couple of rooms or at least get a room going around the concept of public speaking. We might call it, talk it up. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But I love that you brought that up because it is true. I've been on Clubhouse and the rooms that I've gone in, the opportunities to be able to connect with people you never thought you would be able to connect with. It's amazing. And I love it. I love being able to tell my story. I love being able to listen to other people tell their story. I've been in a couple of the rooms that have been around podcasting. It's been fun. It's, it's, it's amazing. And for those of you out there that don't know, Ruthie is also a podcaster. And I've been able to be on her podcast, which is a lot of fun. But Ruthie, we're talking about something because you mentioned Clubhouse and you got passionate about it. I mean, you got really passionate about it. And so you've been converted. You're, you're now an evangelist. You've told all of our listeners, the Twins Talking Up listeners, they got to check this out, at least if they have Apple, right? It's not on, on Android just yet. So that's what storytelling is. Storytelling not only improves brand recognition, not only does it invoke a sense of uh, an emotional response from your listeners or your target audience, but if it's really good, if it's really that good of a story, it converts them into evangelists that they want to tell your story again and again and again. So that's what I've heard about your version of Clubhouse and I've seen it already, but do you have any other stories or maybe a story you want to share about how perhaps one of your clients have really turned around to where they've seen their company grow, their organization grow through the work you've done in developing their story. And now they've become the greatest resource for you in terms of bringing you more opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. So I work with, uh, I love to work with diversity, equity, and inclusion consultants because that those are causes, right? That very much like move me. And I am not a DEI practitioner, but why I love working with them is if I can enable them to better connect with their clients, then that means I am enabling them to have a bigger impact. And that makes me incredibly happy. Um, And I connected with just one. I connected with just one to start. And since then, uh, and I found DEI folks to be incredibly, again, very heart-driven, very giving. Um, And since then, the number of not just clients and people who have been impacted, but even if I look at it from a more stark business assessment, the reach of the brand, the awareness of the brand, the desirability of the brand. Again, it's like, I don't want just any DEI consultant. I want this one. This is the one, right? This is the one that I want. Um, What that's enabled for me to do is, is those referrals do come in right? Um, The speaking opportunities that I've had, right? Like my opportunities to talk about things like performative marketing as part of a a diversity and equity and inclusion conference. Like that is, that's huge for me because that puts me in front of my audience. And it all started from embracing the fact that uh, the spammy marketing that many business owners are told that they have to do is just embracing the fact that that's actually not true. And so a lot of business owners wallow in doing marketing that does not feel right to them. And because it doesn't feel right to them, it doesn't feel right to the people receiving it. And so once I said, hey, actually, you don't have to market that way. There is another way that you can market that lines up completely with who you are and the change you want to see in the world. And once we got in line with that, 
when people get in line with who they are and the change they want to see in the world, they, you can't stop them. Can't stop them. Nope. Can't stop nope. them. This is why I cannot be convinced, Ruthie, no matter what, when people tell me they think Danny is the better speaker. It can't happen. <laughs> it won't happen. <laughs> but, but overall, Ruthie, it's been such a joy and pleasure having you join my twin and I on this platform. I'm so excited to be able to build and work with you and to know that together we're going to continue to make more of an impact in the communities that we serve here in the Maryland area. But overall, Ruthie, I want to, I want to make sure that DSB Leadership Group at Meetup, the Twins Talking to Podcast, that we are also defined the status quo. We don't want to be like anybody else. We want to be edgy. We want to reach the people that really want to grow and grasp the material that we're going to present. So, Ruthie, it's a joy. Thank you for talking about your experience, your storytelling, and how you work with your clients. We're thrilled that you could join the Twins Talking to Podcast. Thank you again so much for having me. I really appreciate you guys. I mean, I i don't think, oh no, I, this is my second time being on a podcast that had two people. So I understand the schedule coordination can be killer. So just thank you so much. Ruthie, you're awesome. Thank you for joining the Twins Talking Podcast. On behalf of my twin brother, Danny Brown, we look forward to seeing all of you guys on the next episode. Make sure you subscribe and we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up Podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSB Leadership and visit us online at dsbleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.